All right, if you have your Bibles, turn, if you would, to Psalm 31. Psalm 31. And again, everybody come to the chili cook-off. We'd love to have you. Uh, It just kind of shrink our class so you get a chance to know everybody. We want to encourage you to to do that. Uh, Travis, just, I don't think this side's gotten it. Just put it over there. Yeah. Uh, Let uh, Yoke have it, and she can sign up for Prasant. And, uh, yeah, all right. Notice Psalm 31. I I really want you to see primarily verse number 9. Now, remember, the Psalms are from a young man primarily uh, that has been in battle or that has been running for his life. Uh, So you'll notice, if you would, verse 9 says, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eyes consume with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. It's, I am in trouble. Now, anybody here ever been in trouble? I mean, uh, you know, you, you've, you've, you're facing something at the immediate moment. Um, uh, you're, you're, you're struggling with your job. You, you've got to get it done. You're in trouble. Um, a decision in front of you, you don't know what to do. You've got two or three choices. Uh, you're, you're in trouble. Uh, literally, how many ever heard the, the saying between a rock and a hard place? How many ever heard that saying? Okay. That's this Hebrew word, between two rocks. That's what it is. That's literally what that word means when he says trouble. Uh, it is in a straight or narrow place bound up. So it's whenever you're walking and all of a sudden you get so tight you can't move. You're between a rock and a hard place. There, there's no ability to get out of it in your sight. So David used this word and says, I am in trouble. Now, uh, when that happens, um, I want you to notice some things happen to all of us if we're not daily walking with the Lord. As you daily walk with the Lord, you begin to grow in Christ. Now, being in His image is not just for people outside. It's for us as God's children. It's for us to mature in Christ to where when we get in trouble, we don't panic. Um. If you see in the NFL or uh, you see uh, um, sports like that where it's quick, um, boxing, rugby, uh, sports that you have to shift on the fly, um, the way you make a great quarterback throw interceptions or throw incompletions or miss his man, the way you, uh, uh, you get uh, someone, a, a boxer, to begin to be defensive and not make good decisions as you put pressure on them. And that's this word, trouble. And so the old devil puts us in trouble, and we begin to make bad decisions. Well, notice uh, verse 10, for my life is spent with grief. Uh, we see things through the eyes of hurt and sadness. Uh, we begin to look at things uh, when we're between a rock and a hard place, if we're not close to the Lord and we don't turn to Him, we begin to look at things and see things in a negative way. Uh, you'll notice he says, well, right after verse 9 when he says, I'm in trouble, he says, um, uh, notice, my life is spent with grief. We sort of look at our life in general and say, my life's been difficult. 
I've just had a hard time. It's like we look at the negative and we don't see the blessings of God. We don't see the good days. We just see the bad. And so if we're not careful, trouble causes us to look negatively. And he says, uh, my life is spent with grief. It's like my whole life is spent with grief. We know that's not the case. David took care of the sheep. Uh, he was a hero. Um, he uh, delivered his country. Um, he saw God deliver him from the lion and the bear. He saw the hand of God move. Uh, he was filled with God's Spirit, but all of us, when we get between a rock and a hard place, we begin to look negatively. That's, it, this, this just seems like it's always this way. It just seems like I don't understand why everything has to be so hard. And we begin to look at everything always. And my whole life, um, it's not that way. But pressure, rock and a hard place, trouble, causes us to think that way unless we think like the Lord wants us to. We'll look at that in a minute. Uh, number two, uh, you'll notice in verse 10, he says, my life is spent with grief, my years with sighing. It seems like the trouble will never end. We get into trouble and rock in a hard place, and it just seems like there's no end in sight. So Satan does that to us. <clears throat> Uh, he takes away the power of God. He makes it where uh, we look at things as though they cannot change, they can't get better, and they never will. And so Satan wants us, he wants the pressure to change us from a happy Christian that trusts the Lord to a Christian that is uh, griefed, filled with grief, um, hopeless. So notice if you would, not only that, but we do get discouraged. And you'll notice in verse 10, he says, my strength faileth me because of mine iniquity. Now, when it's because of sin, that's the easiest kind of trouble to repair. Oh, we may not be able to, um, it may not be pleasurable to fix it, but the way is clear. Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. Somebody else, if we've offended them, I'm sorry, forgive me. It may take courage to do that, but the path is clear. The way to freedom from guilt is clear. Apologize. Tell the Lord you're sorry. If you're carrying a load of sin in your heart, that's the reason he said, look, uh, in verse 10 he says, um, uh, my strength faileth. Uh, I don't have the ability to go on. Now, folks, when our strength begins to fail, uh, we begin to get very discouraged, all of us. It's very easy to happen. It's one of Satan's greatest tricks. It's to get us tired of doing right. It's to get us to focus on the trouble and to see only that. Notice, if you would, uh, verse, uh, verse number 12, I want you to see this. We get weak and we are susceptible, feeling like no one really cares for us. Look at verse 12. I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. Wow. I'm like a broken vessel. So when you and I begin to focus on that trouble in front of us or all around us, we begin to feel like no one cares about me. Now, um, 
I am certain whenever we face really hard times, which all of us have from time to time, uh, and you got to realize hard times are perspective. How many of you can remember being in elementary school and something facing you it just scared you to death? It really, it was really a lot of trouble. You were, you were, you didn't know what to do, and you, you just, it was just miserable. Can anybody remember a time like that in junior high, high school, or elementary school, or college even? Can you raise your hand? Can you raise your hand? You remember some times like that? Okay. Well, what ends up happening if we're not careful? Well, nobody cares about me. I'm all alone. No one knows I'm here in this trouble. Now, remember, the disciples are in the ship. And Jesus is asleep in the same ship. And you remember, they, the waters are flooding over the ship, and they're bailing it and trying to get it bailed out. They can't. They can't make progress. The ship is slowly, for sure, filling up, and they see no way out, and they wake him up. Does anybody remember the first question they ask him? Dost thou not care that we perish? Now, who would dare ask the creator of the universe, the controller of the sun and the wind and the stars and the, and, and the, uh, the storm and the rain, to say, you don't care about us? Why don't, what's wrong with you? Why does thou not care about us? You see, we begin to doubt our mates. We begin to doubt our friends. We begin to doubt people at work. We begin to doubt all kinds of things when we're under pressure long enough. Now, remember this. Patience is this word. And it's the reason I hate the word. Okay, uh, patience, hupomeno, to remain under the load until the Lord is finished. Either A, affecting someone else's life by your strength, B, strengthening you where you can maintain, or C, getting to the end of God's plan where you have matured. Remember this. Difficulty makes us stronger. When you lift weights, they make you stronger if you lift them enough because you're going against resistance. Um, Part of the reason why when we get older or you've been very ill and you're in a bed for a long time, it may feel like, I don't want to get up. That's what we feel like. But if you don't get up, you won't get up because your body always atrophies. It always goes back to the fetal state over time if you don't get up and move. So all of us have to be active, young people, adults. Now, young people typically don't have trouble with that. Uh, They like to get out and do things. Uh, Janet and I were riding in an elevator, and uh, uh, we were going up to our apartment, and a young man got in with a huge box. And uh, we said, look, uh, uh, you know, go ahead with the box. And he said, no, y'all go ahead. And uh, very nice. Uh, he said, man, what you got in the box? You know, just making conversation. He said, a skateboard. Got a cover in it. Oh, it's really a nice skateboard. And so uh, he said, my niece or cousin, I forget which one it was, said, she's a couch potato. She likes 
video games, and she likes her iPad, and she doesn't get out much. He said, I'm trying to get her out and, and get her to do things that's good for her, but she doesn't see it. And he said, so last year on her birthday, I got her a bicycle, and this year I got her a skateboard. I said, do you have two skateboards? I need to get out. We laughed a little bit. He said, no. He said, you know, and, 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 and we, we, we sort of joked, but in my mind, even a 12-year-old has got to get out. It never changes. Your body is not built to rest all the time. It's to rest periodically. So remember this, patience is not permanent with the same load. The Lord changes those loads from heavier to light, from heavier to light, to make us stronger, to give us relief. But some of the things that happen in our mind is this will never end. And you'll notice he says in verse 10, my life is spent with grief. David felt like my life will never end. Well, do you know what happens uh, after he's 31 years old? He becomes king of Israel. He, he, it's only been, uh, what, six or eight years, but six or eight years of running, 10 years of running can cause any of us to feel like my life is spent with difficulty. But God always has a plan for us. He always wants us to enjoy life. But part of the things that we have to learn is how to enjoy or uh, not just tolerate, but accept and embrace difficulty. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to 2 Corinthians. Uh, notice, if you would, 2 Corinthians Notice, if you would, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, I'm sorry, it's 1 Corinthians. Notice with me, if you would. Uh, you'll notice it says, uh, verse 13, uh, There is no temptation taken you but such as common to man. All of us face the same difficulties. All of us do. And the Lord says, I know you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to strengthen you. But just remember, all of us are going to face the same things. Oh, they're different in form. But the point is the same. It's to help you and I get stronger. Now, I want you to notice with me, if you would, um, turn in your Bible, if you would, to um, verse number, chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Notice, if you would, verse number 3. For though we walk in the flesh, all of us are in the flesh, in this body. We do not war after the flesh. That's what we have to remember. The secret to embracing difficulty is remembering you don't win with the flesh. You win with the Spirit. And notice he says in verse number 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not you pull yourself up by the bootstraps. But notice verse 5, 
casting down imaginations, those thoughts of it will never end. Cast them down. Notice, and every high thing that exalteth itself against God. Well, you know that's a wrong thought whenever the, the disciples looked at Jesus and said, Dost thou not care, carest thou not that we perish? We know that's not a right thought. It's against the Lord. It's against His compassion for us, His love for us. Well, um, I want you to notice uh, back over in, our, in uh, our, our passage, Psalm 31. Notice, if you would, um, we begin to uh, feel alone. Look in verse 12. I am forgotten as a man, as a dead man. There's no lonelier person than a dead man. And there, it's over. And he chooses such a vivid example. I have no one. I'm a dead man. Well, not only that, but uh, we feel unusable. Well, a dead man's unusable. And, you know, we sort of feel quickly that God has cut us off. Notice, if you would, in verse 22. For I said in my haste, I am cut off before thine eyes. That's one of the problems with being in trouble between a rock and a hard place. We jump to the conclusion that God is not watching us, that we're all alone. And that is never the case. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro, beholding the good and the evil. And that's what he says in Psalm 139. He said, I watch you sit down. I watch you stand up. I've compassed you about. I am completely encircling you. You and I cannot imagine that. But God always has his eye on us because he loves us so much. Now, uh, I want you to notice there is a way to solve the problem. Notice, if you would, from God's point of view. Notice verse 15. We must realize that our hands, that our life is in God's hands. My times are in thine hands. We must remember that. You get into a difficult spot between a rock and a hard place, Lord, I know I'm in your care. Lord, it's not up to me. I can't get out of this, but Lord, I'm in your hands. When we begin to feel that, there's a sense of relief that I don't have to carry this load alone. Lord, I'm going to trust you. My life is in your hands. And every time you and I get into some difficulty of trouble, uh, you get a bad, uh, a bad reading at the doctor, my life is in your hands. You, you have a, a, a trouble the other day. <clears throat> um, we were going into our parking garage, and uh, there's a lady that is pulled up. There's a little bar that goes down. You have to use a fob to get into the parking garage so everybody can't get in there. And so she tried, and you could see her trying, trying, trying. It wouldn't work. So she backed up to get out of the way and backed into the girl beside, behind her. And it was like you see the girl like, oh, my. And the lady gets out, and I could just imagine right then, Lord, why? My times are in your hand. Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but I know that I'm in your hands. Everything that happens, Lord, first thing, my times are in your hand. Notice number two, we need to learn that any deliverance from our problems come from him. Look in verse 15. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from them that persecute me. 
Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Save me for thy mercy's sake. Lord, I know that you're the only solution to this. And folks, if we learn to trust the Lord, he will never fail us. But Satan wants us to not think about the Lord. He wants us to try to figure out how to solve this problem ourselves. That's what he wants. Because then we become hopeless. We run out of energy. We run out of strength. We say, this is my whole life. It's always one trouble after another trouble after another trouble after another trouble. When in reality, uh, and, and the Lord doesn't even care about me. When the Lord does care, and it's not that way, there's always a limit to the, to the, uh, the burdens that we're bearing. And he says, look, I, I want you to realize your times are in my hands. And number two, I will show you mercy. Notice he says, uh, he's the one that will deliver us. Make thy face, excuse me, uh, um, verse number 16, make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Uh, he's realized his hope is in the Lord. And that's what we have to do. Now, uh, notice another thing. Uh, we must ask for his blessing and mercy. You can't just assume it. And, and notice he says in verse 17, let me not be ashamed of myself. Lord, help me not to embarrass myself and shame myself before you. Lord, give me strength that I don't, that I don't act like the disciples. Get up, Lord. Don't you care about us? Oh, I'll tell you what. After he looked at the, the, the wind and said, peace, and the waters be still, and everything went silent, I would have looked at Peter and said, what did we blow that? We should have trusted him. We should have at least gone to him and said, Lord, would you please help us? We're in trouble. But they didn't. They jumped. They allowed all the weights of the world and the storm to get on them. We're going to die. Uh, look at the Lord. Don't, you don't care about us? They went way too far like we normally do, and we feel alone. We feel like the Lord doesn't care when he always cares. But we don't think to say, Lord, would you help us? Lord, we're in a storm. Would you please help us? It's as simple as that. Asking the God of heaven and trusting him. Now, notice with me, if you would, um, we need to remind ourselves. Look at verse 19. I love this. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear him. So, David backs up and he says, Lord, how wonderful is your goodness that you've laid up. In other words, it's waiting for us. It's not something he's got to figure out. It's waiting for everybody in this room that's going through a difficult time. He said, your mercy and your goodness is laid up for us. I love this, this phrase, oh, how great is thy goodness. You've got lots of goodness laid up for me. But notice, if you would, in verse number 19, Thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought, or will you bring it to bear for them that trust in thee before the sons of men? So we have to learn to trust him before he works in our behalf. Now, I don't think that the disciples really trusted the Lord to take care of the problem. Now, they were desperate. And we all get desperate. 
And when we run to the Lord in desperation, that's when he usually works for us. But that's not what he wants to be the last option. He wants to be your first thought. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Lord, help me to trust you. I don't see any way out of this, but Lord, I know you. Your goodness is so great, it's laid up for me. And I'm asking, Lord, for your goodness. And you'll notice he says, which thou hast wrought for them that trust thee. So let's learn to trust the Lord when we're in trouble. Now, that's real easy to say. But it's a discipline that we have to have. Because it's common to all of us. Everybody here is going to go through some trouble. It's the, it's the discipline that we have to have in the midst of that trouble. Oh, man, it's a tough spot. Lord, I know you. I know you love me. Lord, I know you know where I am. I know you see me. Lord, you've got goodness galore laid up for me. Lord, could you help me in this spot? And trust him. That's a discipline most of us Christians don't have. Notice, if you would, quickly, in verse 23. Oh, love the Lord, all ye his saints. Everything that he does is to strengthen our love for him. Because we see him move in our behalf, and we love him more. We see what he does for us, and we love him more. Folks, today, all of us in this room, learn to love the Lord out of every difficulty in life. Learn to love him a little bit more. Trust him and see him move, and then you and I begin to feel his goodness, sense his goodness, and Lord, thank you, and begin to love him more. Now, there is the, the note, but look in verse 24. Oh, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Trust him. Notice, all ye that hope in the Lord. It's when you rest in him. All of us in this room, rest in him. When difficulty comes, learn to rest in him. Now, I know this. We need examples of when the Lord just does a miracle. Um. Yesterday, my wife and I are, are out at a neighborhood where we're, we're having a house built, and, and uh, we're excited about it because it's a first-floor master. It's a very small lot. It's about as big as this section right here. I think I can mow it with a weed eater. Um, I'm excited about that because easy to maintain. I'm looking to simplify my life. It's a small home. I'm just really excited about that. Um, and, and so we meet one of our neighbors, and he says, he just starts talking. He said, yeah, I really checked this neighborhood out. Uh, it, it's really a great design neighborhood. And I'm thinking, how does he know that? And he says, well, I said, what do you do for a living? And I'm thinking, civil engineer. And he looks at me and he says, I'm a civil engineer, and I work for so-and-so. So I design neighborhoods. And I said, oh. And my wife always thought that we picked a lot that's a little bit floodplain 
you know, could be flooding a little bit. And I said, honey, it's not. It's at the highest part. It's a good one. He said, where's your lot? I said, over there. He said, oh, you're in good shape. You got a high lot over there. I had to, I had to go back. And I'm going, see, see, you know. So I'm really having a good time at this. And, and then uh, we talked a little bit, and, and uh, uh, he just closed, and, and he said, we're going to move in soon. And, and uh, I said, you know, I said, uh, um, we are, you know, we're at a church over uh, I'm a pastor, and we're over at a church. Uh, where? I said, over on 28, right off 28, and Gloucester. You know what the Wawa is? Uh, yeah, I know where that is. I said, where that church right across the street? He said, oh, okay. I says, we're getting ready to build our ball fields, and uh, we'll start those next week in the floodplain. Oh, no, don't, don't start that. So why not? I said, you can't do that. I said, oh, we've been through the county. You, you went through the county? I said, I've already been through the county. Uh, Board of Supervisors voted five to three. Total perplexed in a floodplain. I said, yeah, that's a no-fly zone. You can't do that. I said, our Heavenly Father did it for us. But you can't do that. You remember? He was just going on and on and on. So in my heart, I'm feeling more and more, wow, Lord, you did more than I thought. And he said, if you came to me today, I would say, don't start. It won't work. That's a no-fly zone. And you, when I say no-fly zone, what you, that is no-go. You can't do that. They will not let you do that. And I said, well, the Lord did it for us. Well, I don't know how because you can't do that. Well, I backed up, and the whole evening I'm thinking, Lord, how do I say thank you? Why didn't I feel that way of his goodness stored up for us when I was going through it? But I had to sit there and sweat blood and tears and, and wait for you during that. How many of you were in that meeting when that night, okay? I mean, it was like we were the enemy of the earth. And, and, and somebody uh, in our church uh, was at, at a ball game, and, and they had their child playing, and another lady, was child, their child was playing, and they got to talking. Well, my child goes to such and such a place. He said, well, my child goes to uh, uh, a private school over, uh, you know, off of 28. And, oh, where? What is it? Temple Baptist Church. I hate that place. What? She works for the county. She said, they're building fall fields in the floodplain. They shouldn't do that. They can't do that. And he says, well, the Redskins have got it. Three fields in the floodplain. I don't like them either. So I felt better about it. You know, I, you know, I, I think about, well, they don't like the Redskins. They don't like us. And he said, well, you know, it's just ministry, but no, I don't like it. There's why I've taken us four and a half years, a million and a half dollars. But I backed up and said, Lord, how did you do it? Do you understand? God can do anything for you because his goodness is laid up for us, waiting for us to trust him. I, I, I hope this week, when you come to church next Sunday, you'll see the trees gone as we start the ball fields for the Lord's sake. I, I'm, that is going to be a constant miracle to my heart. If I can remind myself, wow, the Lord is good. Wow, the Lord is good. 
Wow, the Lord is good. And all of us need some things to, to remind ourselves. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee. Don't forget, God's nature is good to us. Let's bow for the prayer tonight, today. Uh, Father, I pray that you'd help us to remember your goodness. Lord, you do things for us that sometimes are miraculous. We don't even realize it. Lord, we sweat and we, we, we weep and we feel alone and we feel like uh, it's always trouble. And yet, Lord, you're always there with us. Help us to remember that your goodness is great toward all of your children. In your name we pray. Amen.